This is Crime Connections. We're your hosts. I'm Leah. And I'm Jackie. The day that this episode is airing is actually Black Friday. So we both hope that all of our listeners that celebrate Thanksgiving spent the day surrounded by loved ones and that you all ate way too much food and even more pie. For some of our listeners that don't know what Black Friday is, it's the day after Thanksgiving that marks when retail stores have insane deals on certain products. So like big ticket items, TVs, Mm -hmm. iPads, Apple Watches, all of that good stuff. And you have crazy lines and crazy people. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit of everything. Before COVID, I feel like Black Friday was when you would see people literally camped out in front of the Mm -hmm. store waiting to be at the front of the line as soon as the doors opened. But I know that in recent years, that trend has changed. A lot of stores, they have Black Friday sales during like the whole week. They don't have Or they do like tickets where you get a ticket Mm -hmm. and... You and don't go have to, to stand the in line. You can just go whenever yeah. or whatever. So yeah. it's it's definitely nothing like it used to be. Mm-hmm. It is not as crazy. And I know, I think that's because people have gotten crazier over the years. I know mm-hmm. people have actually passed away during Black Friday sales, which is horrendous. But for a freaking five yeah five hundred dollar TV instead of yeah a thousand dollars. So like, no. I remember when I was younger how intense it would be. I remember waking up super early and going Black Friday shopping with my grandmother and how crazy the lines were. Mm-hmm. But it's not really like that anymore. Which thank goodness for the retail workers. I do think that that's good for them. Yeah, but poor them. Oh my land. Yeah. I can't even imagine. So if you're out shopping today while you're listening to this podcast or you're reminiscing about a time that you were a crazy Black Friday shopper, just remember to be kind and gracious to everyone especially the retail workers seriously they are the reason for the season and being mean gets you nowhere gets you nowhere yes so our case today actually is highlighting a very bright young woman that worked in the retail setting of an american eagle store and how one black friday her life was brutally taken from her all because of greed this is the case of ashley harris Ashley Harris was born and raised in fort worth texas she was very free-spirited and outgoing She was said to march to the beat of her own drum. She did her own thing. And no matter what her family told her to do, she would do the complete opposite. If it's not what she wanted to do, she wouldn't do it. She was the opposite of a little princess, and she was much more of the tomboy type. She was very into sports. She had a lot of friends in high school, and she had two older sisters. She absolutely adored her biological father and her stepfather. They both were retired police officers, and in all of my research that was something that really hit home is how much ashley adored having two fathers which i think is so great after high school ashley worked at blockbuster for a while and she met a customer there named laura love and that turned from a friendship into a relationship this was kind of something new for ashley to work through because remember she's living in fort worth texas this is kind of in like the 2010s so it's still difficult for people I think to come out Mm -hmm. that they are gay Um, and she's living in a very conservative state her family was also very religious so when she came out to her parents it was in 2004 and Ashley's mom's response was that she really just needed to pray on it and I know there's probably people rolling their eyes like why did you need to pray on it but again if if you spend your whole life being raised in a very religious setting yeah. and your daughter comes to you with this information, it, you got it, it's going to take a minute. Yeah. Ultimately, her mom, Monica, was 
you can see in some interviews, she said that she believed after, you know, praying on it that her job as Ashley's mom was to love her unconditionally and that God would not have given her this beautiful daughter and not want her to love Ashley regardless of who she was attracted to. I'm sure it was still difficult for Ashley though to come out to her family and them still have a little bit of hesitation. I I don't it's just that's something that I'm sure was still a little difficult. For sure. For and her. also, you know, I am happy that her mom came to that conclusion. Me too. Just because Texas, I would say, is, is still to this day pretty conservative. Fair. Yes. Um, and this was in 2004 when she first came out. And, I mean, it's only been still just recently that people are feeling more comfortable coming mm-hmm. out and feeling more comfortable in their skin, which is horrible to say. But, you know, and then back in 2004, I'm sure it was still very, like, mm. Yeah, I mean, almost 20 years later, and it's still, yeah. it's still an issue, unfortunately. Yeah. Ashley and Laura's relationship... Um, initially it was difficult for Ashley's family but regardless it did last over three years and during that time Ashley was very happy even after their relationship had ended Laura and Ashley remained very good friends it was around the end of this relationship in 2011 when Ashley started working at the American Eagle store in the Hewlin Mall Ashley was the assistant manager, so she was in her early 20s, and she was already an assistant manager at American Eagle, and she was really good at her job. She was often seen taking videos of herself at work, so this was, like, way before TikTok, mm-hmm. um, and I think it was even, like, before Instagram, um, you know, 2011. When I was in high school, 2013, mm-hmm. I graduated that year, and it was about that time. Yeah, so she was Instagram kind of, became. like, before her time when she was... She would take videos of herself when she was at work. She would take videos of, like, herself in her car. And um, they were really funny, quirky, just the videos that you see now on mm-hmm. TikTok, that's what she was doing. Yeah. Uh, she was really popular with her coworkers. A lot of her coworkers respected her, and they appreciated how she wasn't just a manager to them. She was also a friend. And one of her coworkers remembers how Ashley had helped them really learn to love themselves by kind of sharing her experience, how she came to the realization that she was attracted to women. And she helped this coworker understand that she can still love herself, even though she might not feel the way that she feels is correct. So Mm -hmm. she really just was a good friend, which you don't, hear that much anymore yeah unfortunately it was in 2014 when one august night eighteen thousand dollars was stolen from the safe at ashley's store in the hewlin mall what in the world why is eighteen thousand even in the safe so this was after the i know in ohio we have a tax-free weekend But it's not just Ohio. A lot of states do a tax-free weekend leading up to going back to school. So in Texas, they had a tax-free weekend, and it was one of American Eagle's, like, biggest weekends. And all of that money gets put into a safe at the end of the night, like the the end-of-the-night sales, and then it gets picked up usually, like, the next day. So regardless, someone was able to gain access to the store after it closed in the mall and steal $18,000. It was actually Ashley that reported the theft because when she came into the store the next morning, she noticed that the safe was open and the money was gone. And she helped ID the suspects. Wow. 
So just hold on to that for a minute. Going through that whole process gave Ashley an interest in going on to work in loss prevention with American Eagle. Given the fact that her father and her stepfather were both retired police officers, it was always something that piqued her interest. So doing this and going through that process, I think, really made her consider even more what else she could do to work with American Eagle and just work her way up. Mm -hmm. So now we're kind of flash forwarding a couple months later to the morning after Thanksgiving in 2014, better known as Black Friday. The Hewlin Mall was packed with shoppers and sales. But Ashley's family received news that Ashley's apartment was on fire and that they needed to get to her apartment quickly. Once family and friends arrived to the apartment complex, they found detectives, firefighters, crime scene investigators, like the whole works, surrounding the apartment complex. Firefighters had to clear the apartment before they could allow investigators to go in. Mm -hmm. And that was when the investigators had gone up to the apartment. They found a woman's lifeless body face down on the apartment floor. Oh, my gosh. The lifeless body had been badly burned. And once they turned over the body, they were able to see the woman's face and they were able to also see very distinctive tattoos on the body that they were able to positively identify that it was Ashley Harris. Oh my gosh, that's so sad. Outside the apartment, Ashley's friends and family stood waiting to see or hear what was going on with Ashley. So at this time, they the, the investigators, they couldn't say anything. They couldn't... Ashley's family wasn't at the apartment yet. These were just co-workers and like friends and neighbors that were outside of her apartment. Oh. Her family, her mom and dad and her stepdad were out of town. Her biological father didn't live like right nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, her sister didn't live right nearby. Sisters didn't live right nearby. So investigators had to wait until they could tell her family yeah. before they could come and tell all these people standing outside waiting what was going on. The friends and neighbors kept asking if they could please see or talk to Ashley and just know that she was okay. And unfortunately, investigators had to keep telling them that she was busy at the moment. She couldn't talk to them right now because they couldn't give her any information. So they all assumed that she was just being tended to and that she was okay. They had no idea the horror that happened behind her apartment. Before the investigators could release the information, they had to assess the crime scene, determine what happened. And like I said, they did have to notify her family. But right from the beginning, it was very obvious to them that this was not an accidental fire. Ashley's arms were bound behind her back with zip ties and her ankles were also bound. So she basically was kind of like hogtied in a way. I mean, more or less. She had been severely beaten and there were large amounts of blood found all around her body. The Jeez. state that the apartment was found in, as, uh, found in as well was very indicative that she had been fighting back against her attackers. There was clear evidence of a struggle throughout the entire apartment. There was glass everywhere. Things were knocked over. Um, furniture was knocked over. The autopsy later revealed that Ashley had been tortured and her throat had been slit. Oh, my gosh. So that was ultimately how she died was having her throat slit investigators looked in to try to figure out how the fire started clearly it was suspicious this fire didn't just randomly start they have a victim that's bound by her arms and ankles and her apartment was on fire so who started the fire Mm -hmm. 
They called in an arson investigator named Wallace Hood to the scene. And once investigator Hood was at the scene, he was able to determine that there was fire damage to the bed, fire damage to the victim. And on the floor near Ashley, there was an empty bottle of rubbing alcohol. Wow. Looking, looking through the apartment, investigator Hood was able to determine that whoever started the fire spread the alcohol through the apartment, leaving what he called several different points of origin. So basically, they took the bottle of alcohol and they just poured it all around the apartment and to then on her it. bed yeah. and then on her. And then they just lit a match and put her apartment on fire. Clearly hoping to erase evidence. Yes. Because... They already did the damage. Yeah, she was already she, dead. They were just now trying to get rid of all of the evidence. Mm-hmm. Outside Ashley's apartment, friends and family had been waiting for a couple of hours at this point to see if they could talk to Ashley, get some update on her condition. And instead, they were met with investigators taping off the area and reporting that it was now a crime scene. And it was when the coroner pulled up. <gasps> To her apartment. No. That is how everyone found out that Ashley had died and that she was not, obviously she was not okay. Yeah. At this point, her family um, that were out of town, they were getting bits and pieces of information relayed to them by friends and mm-hmm. co-workers that had come to Ashley's apartment. And at this point, they had already received the call from the lead investigator that unfortunately she had been found dead yeah. in her apartment. And then that was when the coroner was coming to collect her body. So the family already knew. And then when the coroner came, it, it was very it. obvious yeah. to everyone else that she was dead. Dang. I, horrific. Absolutely horrific. And it's a testament, too, to how loved she was. That, that everyone was so there. many people were there. Yeah. And they were so concerned for her and wanting to know what had happened. Investigators took this opportunity of having a large majority of Ashley's friends and neighbors in one place to start asking anyone if they had seen or heard anything, which I think is really great. Rather than letting these people disperse and leave or telling them to go, they ushered all of them into the apartment building office and they told anyone that was wanting to leave that if they left, they would be arrested and they would be detained for questioning. So they took it very seriously right from the get-go. Like, no one's going to leave until we can talk to every person that's standing here and we try to figure out what happened. I think this was their way of trying to get it across, too, to everybody that something very sinister happened here Mm -hmm. and you could have information that's going to help us, so you need to stay here and let us talk to you. Investigators were extremely perplexed trying to determine who would viciously attack and murder this sweet, friendly young woman. Ashley had no enemies that anyone could think of, and nobody had a negative word to say about her. She was just that great of a person. But so their mind wasn't instantly going to the theft prior? No. Which, that's where my mind would go. I mean, I know, it's, but hello. I think maybe because they didn't i don't think at that time investigators knew right away about that it. she mm-hmm, that she had which would make sense been the one to identify um the people that broke. committed the burglary yeah. um at the time of her death ashley was dating a girl named april but april hadn't seen ashley for a few days so that was a dead end it mm-hmm. wasn't anything to do with who she was dating the last person that actually saw Ashley was Alexis Torres. She was a co-worker of Ashley's. 
Ashley and Alexis, they were friends. Then they had gone to an early Thanksgiving dinner in their apartment complex. They both lived in the same apartment complex okay. and they both worked together at American Eagle. Ashley had to go into work Thanksgiving night at 7 p.m. and work until 3 a.m. into Friday to get ready for the Black Friday sales. Wow. Alexis Torres agreed to sit at Ashley's apartment and watch her dog while she worked. And then she ended up stopping over one more time after Ashley got home and hung out until about 4 a.m. before she left. Ashley was going to sleep for a few hours and then get up and head into work to go help with all the Black Friday sales. And I just want to put out there that Ashley's dog was not harmed in this fire. Ashley's dog was with Alexis Torres, so Dang. she was watching the dog. Thank goodness. I just wanted to put that out there for anyone that loves their fur babies. Her <laughs> dog was a-okay. Um. Before investigators looked into this story of Alexis being the last person to see her, before they could even start piecing it together a timeline, Steve Lee, Ashley's neighbor, confronted them at the apartment complex and told them that he saw a suspicious vehicle parked outside Ashley's apartment around the time of the fire. Steve Lee was a retired police officer. Mm, That's good. And he knew that the car that was parked there hadn't been there a couple hours earlier and he had never seen it parked there before he told investigators that it was a black infinity sedan it was parked there around 6 a.m when he woke up and stepped outside for a cigarette and when he left for work around 7 a.m it was still there it stuck out to him one because he's a retired police officer and i think that things like that always stick with yeah they're more suspicious Mm -hmm. i would say and he had never seen a car like that parked parked in the front Mm -hmm. that early he also mentioned that he had been outside like in early hours of the morning i'm assuming to smoke a cigarette and that car wasn't there so then for it to just boom randomly be there at 6 a.m in the morning very suspicious for him yeah this led investigators to actually turn to ashley's neighbor that lived directly below her and they questioned that neighbor asking if they had heard or seen anything Um, leading up to the fire, the neighbor stated that around 8 a.m., they heard loud noises and heavy breathing above, in the apartment above them. How the heck do they hear heavy breathing? I don't know. I mean... Unless it's really thin. Unless it's really thin. Which, dang. And then the fire alarm went off. So the fire alarm prompted the neighbor to look outside to see what the heck was going on, and they saw a black Infinity sedan driving away. Wow. So this fits the timeline Mm -hmm. perfectly. So now we have two witnesses saying, I saw this black Infinity sedan. Investigators asked Alexis Torres if she knew anyone that could have been driving a car of that color and model. Alexis had no clue who could have been driving that car. But luckily, there was someone in Ashley's circle who knew exactly the person that would have been driving that car. Ashley's boss, Chris Cravey, walked up to investigators and told them that he had a former employee that drives a black Infinity sedan. Wow. Her name is Carter Cervantes, and she used to be an assistant manager at American Eagle alongside with Ashley before she was fired. Like, the fact that all of this is going into place is kind of crazy. It is crazy. Because this stuff never happens. No, and this is all happening after they're, they're all still at the apartment complex. They're all standing there finding out that Ashley has died. Yeah. And they're all coming together and saying, hey, I know this person. This is who drives that car. 
So this is actually crazy. Like yeah. I, you never hear this. You never see not this, this quickly. Nothing. No. So investigators took down all this information and they continued processing the crime scene, doing their due diligence. It didn't take long though for that information about Carter Cervantes to really nag at them and convince them that they needed to look further into this tip. Well, I've, obviously, like, yeah. what, what do you mean? I know, but I guess I can see though how sometimes we, I mean, we've covered cases before where you, they get a tip and then they kind of like put it on the back burner. They don't really follow up on it. And then it ends up being a major turning point for the case. But then by the time they look at it, it's a little too late. So we've seen it before. I'm glad that detectives and investigators were like, oh, this doesn't, this isn't sitting right. Something with this black infinity sedan yeah. is well, and nagging that, at them. What are what other things do you have to go off? Like well, this that's is exactly a exactly. big tip so, in my opinion. Detective Cedillo, he's actually the one that decided, you know what, I'm gonna go to Carter Cervantes's apartment and he just sat in his car and he performed a stakeout. At this point he kind of figured, what's the harm? I have her address, I'm not gonna talk to her, I'm just gonna watch and see what happens. It took about four hours of him sitting and watching her car or in her apartment before there was any movement and that was when detective Cedillo saw Cervantes and a young male walk to her car and they started driving off so he followed them Mm -hmm. and eventually they led him to the Hewlin Mall the place where Ashley works at the American Eagle store and that she was fired from That's where, yeah, that's where Cervantes was fired from. So once the car was parked, Detective Cedillo watched as the female matching the description of Carter Cervantes got out of the passenger side and started walking into a side entrance of the mall that is usually only used by employees. Mm -hmm. The male figure in the driver's side stayed in the car. So Detective Cedillo called his partner, Ernie Pat, and asked him to come check on the male driver, try to see what he could find out and start questioning him. When Ernie Pat approached the car, the subject identified himself as David Mallory. Mallory was Carter Cervantes' boyfriend and also was a former American Eagle employee. Dang. David Mallory and Carter Cervantes started a relationship when they worked at American Eagle. And once management found out that they were having a relationship together, they basically told Cervantes that she needed to end it or they were going to like let David go. And David ended up just quitting. So Cervantes kept her job and David quit. But they still continued to date. Yeah. Detective Pat asked David why he was at the mall so early. And David explained that he had given his girlfriend a ride so that she could pick up some paperwork for a new job she was going to be starting at Aeropostale. It seemed like it could be a legitimate reason for actually being there that early. But Detective Cedillo wanted to put eyes on Carter Cervantes to know for sure. That prompted him to go into the mall. So the mall was open to the public, but all of the stores were closed. Yeah. This is when you see the mall walkers. Mm -hmm. I used to work at a shoe store at the Franklin Park Mall long ago. And when I would open, I always would crack me up when I would see these like very serious mall walkers. Yeah. The whole the whole mall, every store is closed. But you see these little groups of people walking around the mall. Which, now that I'm older, I understand it way more. So do I. Because old people, they need level ground. Yep. It's 
temperature controlled. Yep. And it's safe. It's safe. So it makes so, so much more sense now that it, I'm older. But yeah, when I was I younger, I'd be like, what the F? Yeah. Go outside. What are you right, doing? Like, what are you doing? You're so weird. <laughs> but it's like, you fall and break a hip, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. Literally. So. <laughs> so that's why the mall was like open. And mm-hmm. that's why they kind of thought, well, she could legitimately be going and getting this paperwork. Detective Satio walked straight to the Aeropostale store. And he was actually able to get the attention of the manager on duty that was getting ready to open. And the manager informed the detective that there was no Carter Cervantes that was an employee at Aeropostale or that was starting. Mm-hmm. So it was very clear that this was a lie. A lie. Detective Cedillo had to work quickly to try to find where Cervantes had gone, but he was unable to find her anywhere throughout the mall. It's almost as though she just disappeared. Hmm. So back outside... Detective Platt was trying to figure out a way to keep David Mallory from leaving, and he was able to actually arrest him for driving without a license. So at least they had that. They um, took David Mallory into the headquarters like for questioning. They still, though, were trying to figure out where the heck did Carter Cervantes disappear to. Yeah. After, I think it was probably like a couple hours, Detective Cedillo and police decided, you know what, let's go back to her apartment, let's start there, and let's see what we can find out. And shockingly enough, they pull up to her apartment, and who do they find? Carter Cervantes. In the laundry room of her apartment building, now changed out of the dark clothing that she was in that morning, and she's now in bright pink scrubs. They asked her if she would come in for questioning, and she didn't hesitate. She didn't want an attorney present. She said, yeah, sure, let's go. That sounds great. Weird. Detectives learned that Carter had actually moved to Fort Worth, Texas, to work at the American Eagle store at the Hewland Mall as an assistant manager. She wasn't originally from there. While working as the assistant manager, like I said previously, she started that relationship with David Mallory. And this is where it gets a little dicey. Carter and Mallory were the prime suspects of the August 2014 robbery where $18,000 was stolen from the safe. I'm sorry, not robbery, burglary, because nobody was, like, held at gunpoint or anything. Remember, Ashley was the one that named the prime suspects in that burglary. Mm -hmm. Ashley knew that Carter had closed the store the night before, and it was very easy to determine that Carter left the store unlocked, making it easy for David to slip in and steal the money. On the surveillance, David's face is covered up, but it's it was very obvious to Ashley that's who it was. Yeah. David Mallory had already left American Eagle at this point, and Carter Cervantes was ultimately fired because an investigation had been started into her involvement with the burglary. Both Cervantes and Mallory had heard that it was Ashley who had turned them in and identified them. At the time of Ashley's death, they hadn't been charged for the burglary yet, though. It was an open investigation that was being pursued, but... I had a hard time understanding why they weren't questioned or charged yet. And nowhere in the research is it explained. Detectives, mm-hmm. when they were asked about it, they said that it was an open investigation. I did speak with a friend who's a police officer, and he said that things like that do take time. A big reason, he said, is that when you look at the surveillance footage, David Mallory had his face covered when he stole the money. Yeah. So it's very likely that investigators were just trying to make sure that they had all of their information straight before they could pursue charges into this burglary. So I, I, I mean, I get it. It's not so cut and dry to say that you saw somebody rob a store 
and then they're arrested and charged the very next day. But well, you want to make sure it is. Yes. You have good evidence because if not, they will get away with it. Yeah. And I know that there are a lot of moving parts that go into it, but it's just really hard as a person who doesn't work in law enforcement that it just makes me wonder what could have happened if they had been charged, if they had been arrested, mm-hmm. what could have happened to Ashley, yeah. where she would be today. For sure. And I know that's just that is a dead end road to go down, but still sucks. it's still very difficult. Detective Cedillo kept talking with Cervantes and was just, you know, asking her some very small talk questions. So, you know, how was your Thanksgiving? What did you make? Where did you go? What did you cook? And then once it seemed like Cervantes was kind of letting her guard down, Detective Cedillo asked her what she did that morning. Carter stated that she woke up when her boyfriend David was getting ready to leave around 7 a.m. and then she went back to sleep. Right away, Detective Cedillo told her that he knew it was a lie because he was sitting outside their apartment and he watched her get into her car with David Mallory and drive to Hewland Mall. This was all happening late Saturday morning, so the day this was right after the day Ashley's body yeah. was found. Even though Detective Cedillo kept reiterating that he physically saw Carter leaving her apartment and walking into the Hewland Mall, she wouldn't budge. And she she said that she didn't leave her complex that morning. She woke up, did some laundry, checked some emails, lounged around, and that she was so shocked when detectives came to her apartment and wanted to bring her in for questioning. And she had no idea what they could possibly be wanting to question her about. It just was so crazy like, to her. I isn't there surveillance at the mall? Like, I'm so confused with how... Oh, we're getting there. Okay. I'm like... Always one step ahead of me. But... Once detectives left the room to kind of try to determine what their next step was going to be, because she was not giving in to them, Mm -hmm. they were watching her. And Carter Cervantes did something that I say is incriminating, and I think a lot of our listeners would say too. She took a drink from the water bottle that they provided to her. She set it down. And then after a few seconds of looking at the water bottle, she wiped the lid with her sleeve and then wiped the entire bottle down. To get rid of any DNA. Why would you do that? If you're not guilty, why would you do that? Mm -hmm. It's just. Wow. I like have never heard of Yes. Unfortunately, though, the detectives didn't have anything to hold them. So they had to let them go after questioning. But they worked really hard to start building their theories as to why Cervantes and Mallory would want Ashley Harris dead. The main theory they had was that Mallory and Cervantes wanted to kill Ashley for her keys to the American Eagle store where she was the assistant manager because Ashley's keys were the only thing missing from the crime scene. Once they assessed her apartment, that was the only thing they couldn't find were her keys. The manager, Chris Cravey, went into work Saturday morning, checked surveillance from that morning, And he very quickly called detectives and said that he saw somebody dressed in dark clothes walk up to the American Eagle store and try to gain access with keys. He couldn't see their face. There was like a wrap around their face. But once the person realized that they weren't able to gain access to the store, they quickly walked away. The reason why the keys didn't work. Now, at this point, it's pretty clear these were Ashley's keys. Yeah. The reason why it didn't work is because after Ashley was found dead, so on Black Friday, that Friday, Chris Cravey had this horrible feeling 
that her being dead had something to do with her working at American Eagle. And once he found out that that black sedan had been at the crime scene, he had this just nagging feeling that it was Carter Cervantes, that she had something to do with it. So he made the mall change the locks to the store that night. That is crazy. Yes, because he knew that the amount of money that would be left in the safe after an entire day of Black Friday sales would be crazy. Would be too enticing for Mallory and Cervantes to not try to pursue. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to risk any of his staff being harmed or them Thank doing something horrible. I know. That's why I want to take a second to literally shout out to Chris Cravey for being so quick to have something like that taken care of. Literally, he would not leave the store until they changed the locks. And then he made sure that nobody's keys worked in that lock. Wow. That's really good. Yeah. To ensure his staff's safety. I just, kudos to you. Because who knows? Right. Who knows what would have happened? Now that detectives know Cervantes was definitely in the mall and had tried to gain access to the store, they decided to pull surveillance tapes from the entire mall inside and out. And that's when they discovered Carter Cervantes slipping out a back door, changed out of her dark clothing, and now dressed in bright pink scrubs, walking away from the mall as if nothing was amiss. So they believe that she saw detectives talking to David Mallory in his car, and she walked the opposite direction. So she came out this um, sideway walked in the different different direction, already dressed in different clothes, and she walked all the way back to her apartment. Dang. Yeah. It took a few days for authorities to be able to obtain a warrant for Carter Cervantes and David Mallory's phones, but once they did, all the evidence they needed was there. In their phones, they found that they had been conducting surveillance of Ashley's apartment for weeks before the murder. They took pictures of her truck, what time she came to and from her apartment. They took pictures of her apartment door. Like, Full extensive pictures. Isn't that? It's what I was saying. Like, the uh, the fact that they had all these pictures in their phone of her and she had no idea Mm -hmm. that she was being watched. In December 2014, David Mallory and Carter Cervantes were arrested for the murder of Ashley Harris. So only a couple weeks after her murder, they were arrested. They were tried separately, but the case being brought against them brought against them was pretty much identical. Mm -hmm. During the trial. It was revealed that when detectives searched Cervantes' apartment, they found a sales receipt dated a few days before Ashley's murder. The sales receipt included a shovel, some bungee cords, black wire, a tarp, gloves, and a sharpening stone. It was then revealed that while they were searching through the phone records, David and Carter would text each other coordinates that linked to a remote area in Abilene, Texas. When authorities went to the exact location of the coordinates, they found a freshly dug grave that would have fit a human body. What? Yeah. So it was believed that the original plan was to kidnap Ashley, take her to this remote area where she would be killed and buried, and then steal her keys. But... All for some money? Yes. This is crazy. Isn't it? What the... But because Ashley fought so hard against her attackers, they ended up pistol whipping her with a pistol that was found in the black infinity sedan and it knocked her out and they were able to tie her down and then they tortured and killed her in her apartment dna found on the pistol belonged to ashley and there were blood spatter patterns that concluded their theory the brutality of the murder was very difficult i'm sure for ashley's families and friends to hear during the trial yeah and knowing that the last few minutes of her life were spent in complete pain and terror i 
unfathomable. During the trial, it was also expressed that the brutality of the crime was planned all along. Carter Cervantes had expressed to previous co-workers that she had actually had fantasies of killing and torturing people. What the? Yes. So apparently when she said this, it's when they were out having drinks and it was like, quote unquote, lighthearted. I but don't know anyone lightheartedly talking about I've that. never had anyone lightheartedly tell me, oh, yeah, I have this fantasy of like tying someone up and brutally torturing and murdering them. <laughs> Isn't that just so Literally, funny? What the actual? Yeah. Like, no, I'm sorry, but that's so. Not once normal. it came to light that she had something to do with Ashley's death, there were quite a few like old coworkers and friends that came forward and said, "Yeah, um, I think she'd been planning this for a long time. She's told us on multiple occasions that this is like a fantasy of hers." Of course, though. Given how she wouldn't even admit to leaving her apartment that morning when the detectives saw her leave, Carter Cervantes wouldn't admit to anything. She legitimately believed that she was smarter than anyone else in that courtroom, and she concocted a story that painted her as a victim. Of course. So when she took the stand against the advice of her attorneys, Carter Cervantes said that it was all David Mallory and that he controlled every aspect of her life. She lived in fear of David and was afraid that he would kill her if she didn't do exactly what he told her to. Car Carter stated that David had left the morning after Thanksgiving, and when he came back, he had Ashley's keys to the American Eagle store. She stuck with the story that David Mallory threatened to kill her if she didn't comply with what he demanded and that he would kill her entire family as well. She even went further on to say that a group of men came to her apartment and raped her to scare her into listening to everything that David Mallory wanted her to do. Wow. I mean, it was a very elaborate. I mean, there's a whole transcript of the trial. It's very long. And I just don't think it's worth going into the details that she quote unquote claims. But her story is just, it, it's so outlandish. Yeah. And really hard to listen to. Well, and also she is a psychopath. Like she is yes. crazy. Yeah, so we're thinking all of the like what? Remember when she wiped off the mm -hmm. water bottle lid? Yeah. Carter said that, that when they asked her in the trial why she did that, Carter said that the smell from the water bottle was reminding her of the smell of semen when she was being raped and that when she took a drink, she instinctively wiped it down because of the flashbacks that she was experiencing. I mean, come on. Wow. She tried to have an answer for everything. No matter how ridiculous it sounded, yeah. she had to try to have an excuse for everything. So obviously, it was the job of the prosecution to find holes in her story, and it wasn't very hard to do. I don't think that there was ever a second that they were worried that the jury would find her not guilty. Mm -hmm. And it took the jury only two hours to find her guilty. It took them not even an hour to find David Mallory guilty. And it was a very small comfort to Ashley's family that justice had been served, but to them, it just still seems so impossible that these two people were able to vic viciously attack and brutally murder their daughter over some money. And money yeah. that they didn't even get to get their hands on. Yeah. Like, there was no promise that they were going to be able to get that money. None. And I'm sure they... Again, they have not admitted to killing her mm -hmm. but they haven't admitted that it was revenge either and i do think some of it was a revenge killing detectives have come out and said that 
they do think that's part of the reason why they didn't just kill Ashley because she had keys to the store. But because they also killed her them. because she's the one that turned them in. Mm-hmm. So David Mallory and Carter Cervantes were both sentenced to life in prison with absolutely no possibility of parole. Thank God. Um, the family has come out and said that they want the death penalty, but it's not going to happen. They're just going to spend life in prison. Yeah. Now Ashley Harris's mom, this is actually, I thought was really sweet. Um, Monica, she stays in very close contact with Ashley's previous girlfriends and she even considers them family now. Something that she says that she wishes she would have done more of when Ashley was here, but she's trying to do her best now to remember, keep her memory alive and just love the women that Ashley loved so unconditionally. that's sweet. So that's just our Black Friday episode. I really hope that everyone's enjoyed their holiday with their loved ones and they feel extra blessed this season to have them by your side. If you're missing loved ones this holiday season, we hope that you can find comfort in the memories that you've shared with them throughout all the years. As always, we thank you for listening to Crime Connections. If you so kindly would please follow, share, and go like us on Facebook at Crime Connections or follow us on Instagram at Crime Connections Pod. You can also join in on the discussion of these cases at our new discussion Facebook page crime connections podcast discussion board if you have any news tips or cases you want us to look into please feel free to email or dm us we love hearing from you guys happy thanksgiving thanks guys